Hello and welcome to Inside Intercom. I'm Liam Geraghty. AI and automation are transforming the world of customer service as we know it. But what do support leaders think about the shift and how are they adapting? Well, Intercom's latest report on the state of AI in customer service details how the rapid evolution of AI and automation is changing the world of customer service and how support teams are adjusting their strategies to take advantage of the opportunities this presents. On today's show, we're diving into the findings from the report that reveals how support leaders are reacting and adapting to AI. I'm excited to be joined by three fantastic CS folks today. They are John O'Hara, Director of Customer Experience at Logical, Ruth O'Brien, Director of Customer Support at Intercom, and Samuel Miller, Customer Support Ops at Dental Intelligence. So for this report, which you can download at the link in the description for this episode, we surveyed over 1,000 global customer service professionals to find out how they're adapting to AI, how they plan to leverage AI and automation, what opportunities they hope it will bring, and their concerns. We then compiled that into our 2023 report, which is full of insights and actionable tips. But today, we're going to focus on the top five trends from the report. The first trend, AI investment is accelerating at a blistering pace, and there's a huge opportunity for early adopters. We found in our data that there is an investment gap that exists. An overwhelming majority of support leaders plan to invest more in AI this year, but only 38% have actually already invested in AI. This means those moving faster can gain a competitive edge while others play catch-up. Ruth, if I can come to you first, why was the initial investment in AI so slow? Honestly, I think it's because some of the technology in the past wasn't amazing, right? So people weren't convinced. And then also, it takes time and effort to build a strategy around AI and automation. It doesn't quite just work out of the box, right? So there needs to be like a plan around it. And in a world where in customer support in particular, it's very reactive, right? And often many support teams are like running to keep up with SLAs and backlogs and long customer wait times. Actually taking the time away from dealing with that and dealing with the immediate firefighting can be tricky and taking space to really build a proactive future in terms of AI can, can be hard for different teams. And so what changed? Well, for one thing, I mean, the technology is getting better and better, right? Especially over the course of the last, is it even more than six months now, maybe like eight months or so, big changes have come in the, the world of AI. And also I think more and more teams, either they're speaking with peers in the industry or actually interacting with like good chatbots, whereas before often I think people would have been reacting with or acting with not so great chatbots. I think just, you know, the world is changing and people are trying to keep up with it now and, and understanding that if they get going with this, they're going to have a competitive advantage over some of their competitors too. Totally. So I suppose in our survey, these were the top application CS leaders kind of identified for AI to make a big impact. You see their faster responses, more consistent responses, saving money on training and summarizing conversations. So what I'd like to know is where do you all see the biggest value add right now for AI? John, maybe let's start with you. Yeah, that's a great question. You know, I, I'm looking at these numbers and think, well, my team is already doing really well with like speed and consistency and, and we have great partnerships with customer success and training. I think what motivates us to focus on AI as a benefit is bandwidth. You know, we've got a very small team, eight US-based reps providing 24-7 support to a global audience. 
So really, it represents effective case deflection, you know, for those very simple break fix types of questions where people just need information about how the app works. That's a whole tranche of conversations that can be taken off of my team's plate so they can focus on more consultative work. So that's that's probably the biggest driver for us. And Sam, what about for you? What's the biggest value add for you? For us, it's really on that saving money on training because we don't have to train them on every single thing. We can really just train them on the major issues that they have to do. Necessarily so much on the the day-to-day things that customers can find in the knowledge articles and stuff like that. So it allows us to go deeper in the training quicker. And, and Ruth, what about for you? And also I'm wondering about like, what about in the near future? You know, what can we expect? Yeah, for us, honestly, faster responses has been a huge piece for us, efficiency for the wider team. You know, I think some teams see AI and are thinking about like headcount reductions, right? But if you actually try not to do this thing where you do like more with less heads just because AI is taking care of more work for you, it's like, how do you actually use those resources that you have right now to go above and beyond? So in terms of faster responses or like our chatbots, they're answering customers immediately, right? And taking care of some of the less complex queries. But that in turn is actually speeding up the humans and getting through the queues, right? And then dealing with the more complex queries as well. So there's a really, really, we're really seeing great results in terms of actually applying this technology to efficiency and response times and customer support. And for the future, I was actually at a conference last week, which was mostly focused on customer success. And it was really cool to hear from customer success leaders in the industry speak. That's the next place that people are getting excited about in terms of using this technology. That's brilliant. That's great to hear. And I suppose while leaders are excited about the opportunities that investing in AI will bring more than half are concerned about how to balance investment in AI with investment in existing support resources. I'd love to know how you're all planning on balancing implementation of new AI tech with your existing plans and resources. So Sam, maybe we'll come to you. Yeah, it's tricky, especially when you're in a small support team and not much management or people that have the the time or ability to really go in and work on these. What I've found is I dedicate at least two hours a week just to either researching trends that other companies are using, going through and seeing, like literally going into other companies and going through their chat flow and see how they do it and see how I can recreate it. And that two hours a week, it keeps us in line with, you know, making sure we're still moving forward, but also not making too many changes for our customers to feel overwhelmed or our team to have to keep up with things. So just a couple hours a week, they really start adding up. That's great. And Ruth, what about yourself? I am in a very luxurious position in many ways where our company builds tools using AI technology or powered by AI technology. So, you know, we're early adopters kind of because we have to be, which is amazing because we're getting going with this exciting technology right away. But it does come with a lot of pressure to show off the technology and make sure it looks really great for our customers as well. Because if we're doing a bad job with it, it's not exactly going to be a great thing for our customers to want to buy it. So it's amazing that we're, I suppose, under some pressure to really show it off and move forward with it. But then at the same time, like I said, that comes with some pressure, but it's good pressure because it makes you do it right. Yeah. <laughs> and John, what about yourself? Yeah, we've, we found a lot of uh, success in providing or allocating project time for my frontline reps. So they've got, you know, customer facing work, but they are allocated an hour or two a day to focus on laying the groundwork for AI. We haven't we haven't plugged Finn in yet. We're still working through some compliance concerns, but we have been doing a, a big overhaul of our customer facing articles, macros, because you know we want to train the trainer essentially. And that's really been effective. You know, it helps people who 
have developed in their career and looking for next steps to seize new opportunities, take on more responsibility, kind of show their skill set in more interesting ways that maybe they wouldn't have had opportunity to in the past. Brilliant. So we're flying along. Let's move on to our second trend. The big question on everyone's mind is, is AI going to steal my job? Um, From what we saw in our survey, the general consensus is that the role of humans is evolving, not diminishing. That doesn't change the fact that CS teams are still concerned about this. Ruth, how do you see AI and automation tying into the human component of customer support? Yeah, I briefly touched on it when we were chatting a few minutes ago, but honestly, you know, I'm hoping we can move away from this world of fear and build it more with excitement. You know, something we've done at Intercom is try and bring our team along on the journey and have them involved in the rollout and implementation of this technology. And it's not happening to the teams, it's happening for them, right? It's actually helping them become more efficient, faster, deal with more complex queries in the sense that it's actually more exciting work and not boring, repetitive stuff that they might have been doing in the past. So a huge piece of it is actually like helping build that excitement and then actually practicing what you preach in terms of not viewing this as purely a cost cutting measure and seeing it as a way that it can actually complement human support, allow humans spend more time building relationships with customers and then let the bots take care of the stuff that was slowing humans down before. John, what's your feeling on this? What's your sense of this? Yeah, so Logical is a legal technology solution. And so our our customer base uh, are very skeptical, cautious, conservative thinking attorneys. And the first question that we're working through right now is, okay, what is shared with the subprocessor? Like what data is shared with OpenAI, essentially? And we have to figure out very cautiously how to clearly disclaim that our customers are interacting with the bot, where that information is going, and make them responsible to opt in and be aware of the fact that when they plug in a search string, for example, that contains potentially explosive keywords, that doesn't live in a bubble. You know, it gets shipped out even temporarily to a third-party processor. As long as, you know, we're clear and making sure that we're exercising due diligence there, I think that it's not going to be an issue, but we have to be very aware of who our customers are and address those concerns carefully. Yeah, I think a lot of people are thinking like that. And and Sam, what about for yourself? I think Ruth really hit it on the head. Like we don't need to look at this as a cost-cutting opportunity, right? We need to look at this. How can we use this to enhance the customer experience? And so when I go into these, I don't really talk money with my CCO. I talk, hey, this is what we're going to get out of it. She doesn't necessarily love it every time because she has to go to the CEO with numbers. But as far as the customer experience, as long as we're driving it, to enhance their experience with our product and make sure that they're getting the answers they need when they need them. I think it's a really great opportunity. But also we found a lot of success with our tier one agents that are coming in and trying to get their foot in the door in the SaaS industry, right? And a lot of times that starts in support. And so we've taken this opportunity to really help them career map and find them places to go. So we can say, hey, you're starting here. But now that we have automation and AI, we can provide you hours a week to go and work towards where you actually want to go in the company. And that really helps build a better roadmap for them to grow with us. That's great. And the the word opportunity is, I think, really good one in in this particular situation. So as you can see here, like 78% of support leaders say that they expect AI to transform customer support careers in the next five years. And that includes the creation of totally new CS jobs. Ruth, I know we've started to see these kinds of roles at Intercom. I was wondering if you could like elaborate a bit on that. 
yeah, it's, again, it's cool to be part of it so early on, you know. My job is leading our EMEA frontline team, but I also have a second team now of self-serve and automation specialists. So it's amazing to be kind of at the, the forefront of this. We recently hired a conversation designer. We have a help center manager too, to help build out our content to feed feed the machine, right? Because obviously AI is only as good as the information that you feed it. So already on our team, we're seeing a lot of movement in this space. And something else I've been discussing with my leadership team is how can we start to enable the frontline team to take more time away from the frontline work because we're able to get faster and more efficient, as Sam was mentioning, and develop skills, but develop skills in this space so that they can start taking on these types of roles more and more into the future. So can you allow somebody to spend part of their week building help center content or understanding bot strategies, building some bot flows? It's just a really cool time to, to be part of this. And the earlier people get going, the more they're going to be able to hopefully take on these roles in the Absolutely. Is that something that, you know, you're thinking about now already, John and Sam? 100%. This kind of new emerging technology fits in very nicely with an existing roadmap that we have for our team, which is we've been asking the question, how do we create a more delightful support user experience and create faster on-ramps to our human experts? You know, we provide a solution that is crowded with vendor services. You know, so a lot of our customers are asking, hey, you know what, I need to outsource this stuff. And our solution is marketed as a do-it-yourself solution. So there are basically two gaps. You know, there's a knowledge gap, which is like, okay, how do I use the tools to accomplish my objectives? But there's also a, a skills gap that customers say, I don't know how to do this, even if I know how the tool works. So if we can trust Finn or AI to handle the knowledge gap, that positions our team really effectively to consult on how to basically train people to do the work themselves. And that's something that AI probably today, at least, isn't going to be able to accomplish very effectively. So it positions our team to really be expert consultants and trainers for our users who need to become experts in this electronic discovery solution. I'm guessing that resonates with you as well, Sam. Yeah, I mean, a lot of it really does. Transformation is really a good word to put for what AI and automation is doing for support because we had our education department previously is what we called it. And they made all the knowledge articles and that's what they did, right? Just knowledge articles. Now we've transitioned that team into what we call digital customer experience. And what that is, is that's any automation that they use on the page that's not native to the product. It's like product walkthroughs, pop-ups, in-app hints, still the knowledge-based stuff. But really, we've almost made this whole new department to really take on, hey, how does the customer interact with our company without actually talking to a human? So it's almost this whole new department within that's outside of support. But, you know, we work with them because it's the handoff process and stuff. But it's really interesting. It's to me, it's really helping people find their niche, like what they enjoy and being able to move towards it more so. Now let's move on to our third trend. Efficiency is more critical than ever and AI is the key to unlocking and accelerating that efficiency. So as you can see here, most CS leaders already feel like they're seeing value from their automation efforts, but they're also optimistic about future efficiencies. So two thirds of support leaders are excited about leveraging AI and automation to increase the efficiency of their team in the year ahead. And 60% of support leaders are expected to reduce support costs over the next five years by adopting AI. 
When we asked explicitly where they see those efficiency gains manifesting today, they said 24-7 support, faster support, overall better customer experiences, and reducing manual tasks. So I'd like to ask everyone, like, where do you all see efficiency gains coming from? Like, are these accurate or do you think there are other ways that we aren't thinking of quite yet? Maybe I'll start with Sam. I think 24-7 support is a big thing right now. You know, we're, we're an 8 to 8 business, but doing 24-7 support when you have things like Finn going through, it's not necessarily you have humans on there for 24 hours, but you have something there giving them customized responses, whether they realize it or not. One of the things we notice is people don't like necessarily being sent an article every time, but they really are responsive to somebody translating what the article says and just rewording it. So having Finn do that for you really allows you to do 24-7 support without increasing anything. So I think that's that's definitely where we're leaning towards personally. And John, where, where are you seeing kind of efficiency gains coming from? Yeah, I, I spoke, uh, Liam, earlier about how my U.S.-based team provides 24-7 support to our, mm. our global customer base. That's a huge pain point for us internally. And it, it's it's a great value proposition. Our customers love it. I think that it won't be a perfect like silver bullet. It's not going to remove the need for humans. But right now, today, I have folks who work a full shift and then rotate a pager every night and on the weekends. And that's that's draining. You know, people can't really take that that time off they need to recharge and recuperate. The team is awesome, you know, but it it definitely doesn't scale well. So with a growing global customer base, the promise of case deflection on those, you know, very straightforward how do I do this questions is huge. Even if it means that it reduces the number of pages by a small margin that represents more full night's sleep. For my US based team. <laughs> so we're really looking forward to turning that on. That's always a good thing. Ruth, from the slide here, you know, do you think these are accurate or are, like are there other ways that we aren't thinking of just yet? I think the titles here are definitely accurate to me, but to add on to the first response discussion we've been having, there's the moment after, you know, potentially Finn isn't able to answer something that requires some troubleshooting potentially. What we've been doing is using our workflows feature after our customer needs to go to a human. And we have it set up in such a way that we're collecting a bunch of information up front. So even before it does get to a human, it's gotten things like, you know, troubleshooting links or whatever information that we need. And for anybody out there who's moving into that 24-7 support world, even if you don't have humans on 24-7, if you do that as, you know, implement something like Finn, then also via more automation, collect more information along the way. When the humans do come online, they can get going faster. And even if that customer is asleep, if it's a different time zone, the human can be working on it without waiting for, you know, a huge back and forth to happen potentially across time zones. So I love that way of of using automation on top of AI. And the other piece then is for the teammates in Intercom anyway, in the inbox, if they're dealing with a customer and they're trying to, you know, um, think of a really succinct way to say something complex, they can use AI features to reword it, make it a bit more clear, put it into bullet points. Or if they can't think of a way of like sharing news in a certain tone, you know, ask AI to do that for you too. And that's massively speeding people up so they're not agonizing over every word. And we're really seeing a big benefit from that too. To go off of what Ruth just said there, we recently 
nearshored are some of our support and they've found that that rewording is so helpful for them to make it sound more conversational and stuff and that gets over that translation barrier a little bit so it's definitely very powerful that way too great so we are zipping along we're on trend four of five I think most people will agree that customer experience is now a key differentiator for many businesses, but customer expectations are constantly evolving and almost 75% of support leaders believe that customers will expect AI-assisted customer service in the next five years. Support teams need to constantly up their game to meet these elevated expectations, especially if they want to maintain a competitive advantage. And AI is now adding a new dimension to this challenge. So a majority of support leaders believe that AI and automation will have a positive impact on the customer experience, like I said, within five years. And our research suggests that they're right. So as you can see here, 61% of CS leaders are already reporting generally improved customer experience from AI. 58% reported CSAT improvements and 66% are achieving KPIs and SLAs thanks to AI and automation. So what I'd like to put to our panel is what kind of rewards will people reap down the road? Could we see things like better retention of employees, for example? What do you think, John? Yeah, I think uh, employee happiness and retention are, are certainly benefits that we're going to see right off the bat. I'm thinking about CSAT and you know, I'd say probably the majority of the responses that we get in CSAT have to do with the human that helped them, right? Like this rep was amazing. This agent walked me through patiently and expanded on things and helped me understand. So, you know, I think that the real benefit is it's going to like efficiently help people discover information that is contained in our help center, right? So AI really is more more like a conversation layer that helps make our content more discoverable, but that opens up a huge opportunity for our humans to do the human stuff uh, and create more delightful support experiences. So they're not just going to sit back and, and watch the bots work. They're really going to you know, find opportunities to engage with those customers who need that, that human support experience. Sam and Ruth, what kinds of rewards are you seeing coming down the track? I'm hoping for more value add, still figuring out more ways to, to really measure that. But rather, like I said earlier, rather than thinking about reaping the rewards of AI, you know, cost saving, how are we using it to actually like add value to customers, make them more successful with whatever products we're selling to them? That's a huge space I think we're going to start moving into more. And it is that piece around allowing the humans deal with their relationship building or consulting. And it's allowing the, the bots to take care of, again, all the stuff that humans actually don't really want to deal with. One thing I'd be curious about with the report is I wonder if we sent the same questions to end customers rather than support leaders. What would they actually think of this? Because support leaders are saying, you know, we're seeing the rewards, we're seeing CSAT. I do have an inkling that if you asked, you know, just some people on the street who aren't involved in support, you know, are you looking forward to using more chatbot technology over the, the coming years? I don't know what they actually say yes. So while customer expectations are higher and better than ever, it's like I mentioned earlier, I think people have dealt with some pretty poor bot technology in the past. And until they start getting used to some of the excellent stuff that's coming out now, I wonder the, the minute they're met with a bot, are they like, oh, no. And then when they are actually surprised and delighted by how, how fantastic it is. Yeah, I couldn't agree more, Ruth. I, I think if, if we asked 
any of our customers on the street what their opinion is on chatbots, they'd probably say, well, I don't have time to think about your chatbot. I'm trying to do my job, right? Like nobody wakes up in the morning and says, I can't wait to interact with this company's support infrastructure. They just want answers to their problems. And if that's interacting with Finn, great. But if, it, if Finn can't handle it, then, you know, talking to a consultant who can help them cross the finish line, whatever it takes, as long as we can provide that service. One thing that wasn't really on here was getting better data to make smarter business decisions. A lot of the automation allows you to collect data that your business probably wasn't collecting before. I mean, it helps you identify pain points in the system that you can then take back to your product teams. Like people are reaching out about these issues. Here's how we can help smooth that over. Or, you know, at 90 days, we're seeing people have this issue. You can take that to your customer success team and be like, let's prepare some proactive stuff for it. So it really allows you to gather data to make those better business decisions without adding in extra time to gather that data. Brilliant. Thanks, Sam. We asked those CS leaders who were seeing success with AI to share some advice on how they mitigated risks when implementing AI into their customers' experiences. And these were the three that constantly bubbled to the top. Put guardrails in place route conversations to the right people and deliver omni-channel customer service. So Ruth, as you mentioned, you know, here at Intercom, we've been rolling out Finn and other AI and automation tactics. Do any of these like resonate particularly well with you? Yeah, I think that putting guardrails in place means two things to me. One is how we went about rolling out Finn initially. So we were the first beta customer for it because we're an internal customer. And we wanted to make sure that we started small and iterated to make sure that we were getting the experience right. So we would start with, you know, one segment of customers, make sure everything was okay, build on that. So I would advise that to any other support leaders out there, um, like have a think about a, a rollout strategy that you can easily pull back from if you're realizing that something hasn't gone perfectly, you know, or you're, you're seeing that like your help content actually needs more work. You can pause it, come back to it, you know, and if you haven't sent that out to everybody in one big go, that's easier to do. And the other piece with guardrails is do allow people to get to a human at some point. Nobody likes being caught in a bot loop. And ultimately, as good as this AI technology is now and is going to continue to get better and better, it's not perfect. It's not a human that can answer emotional conversations, super complex troubleshooting. And you do need to have still a way out to a human being at some point. And there's a, a debate about this, but I also think that you should be really honest when a customer is speaking with the bot. So I know um, on the flip of that, some people think, no, you just like call it a teammate now. And while Finn is like one of our teammates, like they're not a human. And I think it's important to be honest about that and set expectations around that. Totally. Sam and John, like what are things to consider for you, like when figuring out how to introduce AI to your customer's experience? One thing that we really dove into was based on what Ruth was saying, like a slow rollout, we identified segments inside of our customer base and we targeted them for us. You know, we really leaned into it more in the SMB, our low monthly revenue businesses, just because it was a smaller base. They don't usually come in as much. It's, a, it's easier to work that way through. And then you're still giving, you know, your high value people that white glove experience that you're looking for. But I cannot echo enough. Make sure that there's an exit for customers to get to a human. That is the most frustrating thing in the world. We try to limit it to four interactions with a bot before they can reach a human. But again, we, we plan on working with that through our, our different customer segments, right? Like our big groups, you know, maybe we need fewer the SMBs. Maybe we can get away with more. 
And so we're going to play with that. Yeah, I, I completely agree with both uh, Ruth and Sam. I think uh, when I think of guardrails, I think in terms of like staying aligned with internal stakeholders on the rollout, making sure that you're not making assumptions about how bought in everybody is with this technology. In fact, that's something that we're working through right now. And you're really helpful pushback from our legal team on like, how do we make sure that our customers are opted in to Finn and, and we're in a position where we can't try to like convince our customers they're talking to a teammate. They need to know that they're talking to a bot. And there are certain customers based on our agreements with them can't interact with the bot in any way. They got to go to a human every time. So guardrails and rollout, making sure that you're aligned is super important. And quick on-ramps to humans, like making sure that if, if a customer needs to speak to someone, that that's not a painful experience. They're not left having to you know, navigate the UI in order to get somebody's attention. So those are big concerns for us. Yeah, I think those are all great insights for people to think about when rolling this out. So finally, our fifth and final Key trend, support leaders are clearly excited about the possibilities that advanced AI and automation will bring to their customer service offering, but the actual practitioners are a bit more skeptical. We're calling this the AI readiness gap. So 67% of CS leaders are confident customers are ready to interact with an AI chatbot compared to only 45% of practitioners. This is a 22% gap. And that same 22% gap exists when we ask about the excitement of leveraging AI and automation to increase team efficiency in the year ahead. So this is for everyone, really. But why do you think this gap exists? I think that that's on us as support leaders to ensure that, you know, we're we're overcoming that, we're giving them the plan. Like how we just talked about an off-ramp for out of the chat, we need to make sure that these people that are nervous, like, hey, you're not getting replaced. Here's where your roadmap's going to go. This is exactly where you're going to end up. And then work with them to grow past that too, right? That roadmap that we talked about earlier as well. And a lot of times these conversations just aren't happening with, your tier one reps. So it just needs to be some more communication between leaders and front of line. Yeah, Sam, I've, I've been uh, talking with my team in uh, group meetings, um, you know, just walking around. We're all virtual. And so, you know, we have like a Zoom space where we all hang out or in one-on-ones. And I just ask, you know, what are you excited about if we turn this on? What worries you? And I think the gap, really, we're trying to solve different problems, right? As a man, as a leader, I'm trying to solve for efficiency and headcount and scale. And my team is worried about the conversation they're having with an upset customer, like to a person, N equals one. And I think their concerns are, what if it sucks? Because if it sucks, then they've got to kind of figure out how to rescue that conversation. But maybe the greater fear is, what if it's great? <laughs> if it's great, what does that do to my job? And we've had those conversations. And the best thing that I can offer is, you know, lean in with intellectual curiosity and, and empathy and make sure that we're aligned on, okay, let's talk about those concerns. But like, if it's great, what does that mean for your career trajectory? And how do you continue to add value to the organization? So we're not just thinking in terms of like showing up and doing the same thing every day for the next five years, but how do I grow with technology and how do I grow with this organization? And I know, Ruth, this is something that we think about a lot at Intercom. Yeah, I just echo what John and Sam said in terms of dealing with the fears head on. I think if you say nothing, that's worse. There's, uh, you know, silence is 
the worst thing in this space and actually explaining your vision for the future. And if you genuinely mean it, most customer support people actually want, which is where they can spend time with customers and not just have to really quickly move on to the next thing. That's key. I was laughing when I saw this slide because I'm clearly one of the 33% of support leaders who is not completely confident about customers ready to interact with AI. Our intercom customers are because they obviously use like a customer support software product and hopefully they're using Finn now too. But just generally, I think like out in the world, I'm not sure are all customers ready to interact or like they probably have already. It's just that piece again where I'm, I'm thinking of like, there's a difference between being ready and looking forward to it. I don't know if you even yeah. look forward to it because obviously something's <laughs> gone wrong if you're reaching out to support. But yeah, I'm just curious what people were thinking when they were filling this in and looking at the word ready. There's a difference between ready, willing, able. I completely <laughs> echo what Ruth's saying there. There's definitely target demographics that you're just like, these people may not be ready for it. And it's kind of our responsibility to show them what it can be what a good experience can be like. And like, this can be very beneficial, but it's up to us support leaders to show that and get that out there. They have that seven to one ratio. Every one bad interaction requires seven good interactions, right? And so it's, we really got to start working on that. And it may take a few years for our customers to really become confident working with bots. But that's why I really recommend small integrations, just small, tiny things, either segment-wise or just one extra question that you have them going through or one step um, and then slowly increase that so the customer just becomes used to it and they don't even realize that the bots took over. <laughs> it's an unfortunate turn of phrase. <laughs> yeah. I'm thinking about the the recent news about the writer's strike here in, in the U.S. And, you know, I, th- I think that there are protections being sought against, you know, AI taking over writers' jobs. And it made me think, like, what kind of future would it be if all content were written by machines and how like bland <laughs> and reductive that experience would be? And I think there's an art to supporting customers and you're always going to need humans driving that support experience to an extent because it's a human connection. You know, at the end of the day, people are helping people accomplish work. And AI can augment that and, and help that. But the companies who aggressively cut headcount because they don't need people and they can just trust the bot to do it, they're going to lose out on a big competitive advantage. So, yeah, I, I just think about a future where the bots are in control of everything. And gosh, that's just not something I look forward to. I really want people to be involved in a meaningful way. Yeah, I think that that sums it up perfectly. So just a bit further on that, I suppose it's important for CS leaders to help bridge this gap like we discussed. And we asked what the best way to do this was, and many suggested to have open and honest conversations with their teams about AI and automation. And I suppose the goal is to kind of bring them along for the journey. And these are some of the questions suggested to us to help get that conversation going. So it's really, we talked about it a bit, but John, what are some of the ways that like you plan on bringing your team along for the journey and in the process bridge that AI readiness gap? Yeah. That's really good, Liam. I, I'm asking these exact questions in my conversation. What's interesting to me is, you know, the first time we broached this topic, I think that individual contributors really wanted to appear to be on board. And so there really wasn't a lot of like rocking the boat. People were like, oh yeah, I'm excited about Finn. It's going to be great. AI is wonderful. Yay, go team. But as we continued to like create space to ask the question, people slowly but surely began to kind of take a step into the dark and go, well, you know, I have some concerns. 
And that's created some real great conversations and points that I've maybe not considered. So, you know, this is all new. We're all learning as we go. And it's important to bring the team along for the journey because they've got insights and perspectives that I, as someone who's not sitting in, in the individual contributor seat, might not even be aware of. You know, we I need to hear their concerns. And I imagine with this all being so new that Sam and Ruth probably feel very similar about this. Yes, absolutely. Echoing what John says, we have a big responsibility to take care of our teams through this transition. And similarly, like Sam and John were saying, we have a responsibility to use this technology really well for our customers. And especially if you're leading the charge and implementing this, we need to show it actually is really, really great. And so, yeah, all the support leaders out there who are taking this on, there's, there's a responsibility that comes with it too. Yeah, and beyond just your support team, you have a whole organization of sales and customer success and your your C-suite that are, this is all new to them as well. So it's it's our responsibility not just to have these conversations with our support team, but to go talk to your salespeople and let them know what benefit this is going to have for your customers down the line and talk to your CEO and like let them know, hey, this is going to help X, Y, and Z. We're going to see gains here, here, and here, and that'll lead to these so not just at your support, your level, you need to talk up and you need to talk across for all of these. Well, thank you to John O'Hara, Director of Customer Experience at Logical, Ruth O'Brien, Director of Customer Support at Intercom, and Samuel Miller, Customer Support Ops at Dental Intelligence. You can download the full report, which I really recommend. It's got tons more useful insights in it that we didn't get to cover today. The link to that is in the description for this episode. Okay, that's it for this week. Thanks for listening to Inside Intercom.